So, where we got to last time, I believe, was, well, Milton aside, perhaps Milton just had to have one more snack and didn't come with. But Emery, Rita and Hamp, you have gone to another place. And it's certainly not cold and dreary London. It's wet. It's definitely wet. It's definitely raining. But this is a tropical monsoon that seems to be pounding down on you. And as you were trying to get your bearings, you saw, which I don't think I narrated this last time, but you did see in the distance the flickering lights of a large building some way off. But that was immediately drowned out by the headlamps or even maybe a searchlight or something incredibly bright being switched on, pointed right in your faces, and a stern male voice saying, drop your weapons. That's where we will rejoin you. So, That's right. Are you complying? Because I think you are armed and you are carrying weapons, I think. So, yeah. I mean, Emery will immediately put his hands up. Um, I think there's been some misunderstanding here. I... I, I don't even have as much as a butter knife on me. Well, one can't be too certain on a night like this, mister. What about your two pals? That's Doctor. Whatever. You, the tall drink of water. Put your hands by your side. I can see you're carrying a revolver. Put your hands down. He says to Hamp. Hamp uh, undoes the belt holster for his Colt 1908 and uh, sets that down on the ground. Knowing damn well he's got a Colt model 1908. Vest pocket. In .25 ACP, stashed away. Is that a small gun? Yeah. Okay, because I'm thinking, how do you fit a gun in a vest pocket? Yeah, it's a little like Derringer. Oh, right. Rita, are you holding a gun at this moment? I vaguely remembered that we had weapons again last week, but... There's a list if you scroll up just a little bit in the White Dwarf sessions. I'd kind of hope I'd be in a similar situation to Hamp. Right. So you're going to drop your holster... Yeah, I dropped the holster. Okay. And the voice says, Okay, now, easy, easy. Just step forward five paces, all three of you. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, thank you, Miss Rita, for keeping track of that. I was rather worried that we might get that wrong. It's just for myself. I, did I say that out loud? And then you hear low voices the first man who spoke he's speaking again but in a low voice that you can't actually quite make out what he's saying and then you hear another voice and then the first man again says right so you ain't who we're looking for but what are you doing out here on a night like this and you don't sound like you're from round here we just seem to have taken a wrong turn somewhere i'm trying not to get in your way but uh, yes i mean if if it's quite all right with you i don't think we're the people you're looking for so perhaps if we just head on our way are you staying at the hotel uh, which hotel would that be? Well, there ain't much else on this island. And then he lowers the light, and you see now, just about make out their shadows against the darkening sky. Maybe the lightning has just gone and lights them up for a moment. You can see there are two policemen, American policemen. Well, they, they look perhaps more like county police, Hamp, to you, than city police. They're, they're not wearing a city police uniform. They're wearing more like, you know, wide-brimmed hats and, and more khaki-coloured clothing. Oh, thank goodness. I thought you guys were brigands. Hey, this is the law. We don't need our weapons, folks. We're safe here. Well, maybe so. But if you ain't staying at that hotel, again, I ask you, what are you doing on this island? We might be in the market for a hotel. Would you recommend it? Well, if you don't get inside in the next hour or so, I reckon you got a 50-50 chance of being killed by this storm. So, yeah. Ah, then I suppose we'd better book rooms. 
You better. Thank goodness we met you folks. Yeah, well, before you go, have you seen anyone wandering around out there? We're looking for someone. No, I, we've just been enjoying a nice little constitutional. Who are you looking for? Uh, we can keep an eye out for them if you want. Well, okay, I guess. There's a fella, not a very nice fella, goes by the name of Rocco. He's supposed to be coming down here. And, uh, he's got some friends who equally not very nice. We got a tip that, well, they're planning on something. Anyway, we've been patrolling the island, and if you see a guy, short, quite stout, Italian-looking, I guess you could say, well, just be careful. Now, have a good night, and I'd head inside as swiftly as you can. And then they point the light towards the track that leads up to the hotel. Well, I'm glad he said Italian, because for a second I thought he was talking about Milton. I suppose we'd better find rooms at this hotel, partly because I must admit I don't much fancy the idea of being killed by a tropical storm, but also I imagine that if we're going to find uh, Miss Nora anywhere, it's going to be there. I'd like to ask the two policemen if they're the only two policemen. Is it just you two? Well... For now, miss. Uh, we have other patrols on the other islands. We, we ain't exactly sure where, where this Mr. Rocco is landing. I see, and you two aren't overly worried. You fear good selves. I can put a gator down at 50 yards. I reckon I can take down one Italian. Oh, yeah. Sounds about right. But I suppose, on the other hand, gators do rarely carry firearms. But, of course, y you know police business better than I do. So, he says, well, mind how you go. Look, chances are that Rocco might turn up at, at that hotel at some point, so uh, if you see anyone matching that description I gave you, you just call the local PD. Yes, yes, of course, of course. So they switch the light off, and you see it was like a searchlight, and then they go and get back into their patrol car, and then the engine starts and they drive off, leaving you alone in the increasingly heavy rain. Lightning and thunder are cracking all around you, and the blinking lights of the hotel do look comforting about 500 yards down the track. Well, shall we avail ourselves of the hotel? I think it's the only only thing to do. It seems sensible to me. Miss Rita, you, you've read this story, I understand. What role does Mr. Rocco play in it? That was the one with the kestrel, wasn't it? I believe the title mentioned a falcon. Oh, the falcon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocco, was it the publisher? Well, I suppose we'll find out. And then you head off down the track towards the hotel, and we will cut back to the interior of the hotel. Nora and Isadora, there are your companions, and I think we left you at the precise moment when the four very uh, unfriendly, I guess you could call them gangsters, got up and reached inside their jackets for guns, and Johnny Rocco had just take things easy. And he seems quite relaxed, oddly, given that there seems to be quite a lot of tension in the air. There had been earlier the faint sound of a police siren in the distance. And Johnny looks at his men, looks, glances briefly over at you and then at the hotel proprietor, as if he's just kind of doing a mental calculation. And then he hisses to his men. He says, uh, Curly, Angel, you take the door. Toots. Smithy, come and uh, join the ladies and myself. Now, 
I'd like you to make an opposed psychology role, Nora. You're quite good at psychology, aren't you? Not a bad first roll. Not a bad first roll. Let's see what Johnny Rocco gets. Basically, you can tell that he's trying to size you up. He's a very sort of acute individual. You can tell that. Maybe he's a little bit suspicious of you, but you can make him think that you're just a regular, harmless, you know, civilian because you've beat him in that psychology role. So you sense that he's kind of relaxing a bit in your presence. Yeah, I would just say that I would also relax as well, just kind of visibly relax. I'm sure I tensed when I heard the police siren and everything and just kind of make him try to really make him feel that we're just vacationers. And he looks at you and he says, so lady, you're here for the weather? <laughs> well, we're certainly here for a change, yes. A change, eh? A change. I guess you ain't met, never met as changeable fellas as me and my pals here. I give a little laugh and I say, no, but it certainly is exciting and edifying. Are you here for the weather, Mr. Johnny? Oh, you got good ears. You picked up on, uh, on my name, eh? You know my name now. Well, well. We'll see. Uh, no, I, I ain't here for the weather. I, I prefer it further south, you see. A uh, bit more southerly, you see. I'm done with mainland life. Too many people poking their nose into your business. You ever been to Cuba, miss? I've never been. No, that is sounds exotic. Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell you, missy. I'm making a rendezvous, you see. Got a boat coming to meet me and... Oh. Two hours, and um, we're all heading off to Cuba, and it would be my greatest pleasure if you would do so good as to join us on our little trip. Uh-oh. I like the look of you, Miss Nora, and the boys sure like the look of you, too. Well, that's a very nice offer. Very generous and kind of you, but I'm afraid that once our vacation's over, we'll get, have to get back to our business. Oh, Nora, you're disappointing me. I thought you had a little bit more spunk in you. I'm very sorry, but I just we just got this business off the ground, and I can't be taking vacations, although island life does sound nice. <laughs> she gives him a little smile. Well, we'll just have to see, won't we? We'll just have to see how things play out over the next two hours, eh? He says with a shark-like grin, and he says, One other thing. I reckon we got about half an hour until those cops show and uh, things might get a bit noisy. So, just giving you a heads up. So, two of the gangsters are now standing either side of the door, and Johnny Rocco says, he says to them, Guys, fellas, you know how this goes. Soon as anyone comes in that door, you plug them. I don't have to tell you twice. And they nod, and they go, Sure, Johnny, sure. Even if it's the cops? And Johnny goes, You numbskulls, especially if it's the cops. And then he turns to you, Nora, and gives you another broad, toothy grin. Do you think that violence is really the answer here? Oh, um, lady, violence is always the answer. It's just you uh, civilians, you just don't got the nuts for it. You need a bit of moxie. You need a bit of moxie, Nara. Stick with me and you'll see. Oh boy, I look over at Isadora and I'm just like, okay, we just need to see what's going to happen. So, I will at this point... Let you make a power roll, Nora. Okay. And you're going to need to get a hard success, at least. Okay. Hmm. Nope. So, 
you start getting this very ominous sense of dread coming over you, but you can't quite place it. If you dig deep into your interior, <laughs> you might be able to figure out what it is, but that would mean pushing the roll, of course. Or you could spend a whole ton of luck, 24 luck. No, I think I'm going to push it. Okay, tell me how you push it, because you're just sitting there and you just suddenly get this lurching feeling as if your stomach is, you know, as if you're falling, this lurching sensation. If I'm falling? Like a vertigo sensation? Yeah, but not really. It's just, it's almost like that moment of fear or just on the edge of waking when you're falling, you feel like you're falling out of bed or something. Okay. I'm going to take a drink of my whiskey that's at the table. Or maybe it's their whiskey. I take one of the gangster's drinks. And I sip it and I'm like, get it together, Nora. Now is not the time to have a spell. And... Oh! <laughs> you made it. Somehow, Nora, by taking that slug, the taste of whiskey in your mouth, the taste of stolen whiskey, it suddenly makes you think of Emery. And then you... I don't know how, Nora. Maybe it's because you know the script. Somehow... You know that Emery is about to walk through that door any minute. Okay. I'm going to take another slug. I'm going to go over to the two gentlemen at the door. I'm just going to say, breath of fresh air. I'm feeling a little faint. It's so crowded in here. Let's say that's what you intend to do. But the minute you get up, the other two who weren't there, with a, they kind of look at Johnny and then they move towards you. And Johnny says... Hey, I said, take it easy, Miss Nora. No need to be getting all agitated, okay? I said, sit down, and I mean it. But I think I hear a friend of mine outside. You do? Yes, and given your recent orders, I'd hate for him to be riddled with bullets the minute he walked into the door. He's mostly gin, you see. And he says, you got a friend, eh? Yes, a very nice man. Oh, man, eh? That makes things a little bit more complicated, Miss Nora. And then he pulls out his gun. He doesn't point it at you. He's just kind of tapping it in his hand. And he says, Now listen here, Nora. I've been very polite up to now. I'm very friendly. But I'm not a very nice man. So I'll tell you what. You sit yourself down there, and we'll see about your friend. Okay. Please don't hurt him. He's, he's harmless, really. Unlike you, I know. I know, before you say it. And then he gestures with his gun and points to the chair, and he says, And you as well, he says to Isadora. Okay, I'll sit down and I'll motion to her to do the same. And then, at that moment, one of the guys at the door says, Johnny, I can see three people coming towards the hotel. And Johnny says, Three people? Oh, he must have his friends with him, I say to Johnny. Johnny pauses for a minute. You can see he's thinking. And he says, let him come in, but keep your guns on him. So, back to the three outside. <laughs> you are now almost at the steps leading up to the, the hotel entrance. The rain is really torrential now. You can almost, it's almost cut your visibility down to almost nothing. All you can see is the blurry outline of the door in front of you and the light behind. It's a glass door and is rain slicked, of course. So you can see vaguely that there's people inside the hotel. But I'll let you all make a spot hidden and you'll need to get a yeah, hard success. Dr. Emery. Well, it's blind as a bat. 
Oh boy, that's not good. It's all down to Rita. Yeah. Oh, failed it. Failed it. My damn eyeball fell out. Yeah. Well, no. I'll tell you what happens, Hamp. Because the rain's so heavy and the glass is so sort of blurred with all the water cascading down it, I think what you're going to do is go right up to the glass and try and wipe the water away so you can see in. That would make sense. Yeah. Why not? And as you do so, you hear a voice inside saying, I think he's pulling the gun. And now I am. I think we're about to have a gunfight. Uh-oh. I'm assuming we re regained our firearms that we set down earlier. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You picked them up. You picked them up. Yes, of course. But because you fumbled, I don't think you're going to be able to react first. Yep. So suddenly all hell breaks loose. You hear gunshots, shattering glass, shouts come from inside as the glass pane of the door is just blown out towards you. And the question is, are you going to get hit by any of these bullets, Hamp? The other two, what are your dexterities? 50? 60. 60. But you're not, you're not armed, are you, Emery? Oh, gosh, no. No, Emery with a gun is just a liability. That is true. And now, the good news is, because they're firing through the door and it's rainy and it's dark outside and they will get a penalty dice on this, but two bullets come bursting through the, the glass towards you, Hamp. Is there a reception area in this hotel? It's The lounge just opens out onto the veranda. It's more like a big house. But I just rolled a 98, which is a fumble. Oh, and? But it's not a malfunction, because it's a revolver. So... Can they blow out one of the lights? Yeah, I think that would be good. Yeah, so the light above the porch gets hit and is shattered. And then the other one... Oh, I can't believe it! I just rolled another 98. <laughs> now, this one... What I'm going to say is that actually this one has got a chance of hitting one of the gangsters that are standing by the side. Someone is reacting to the gunshot, pulls their, one of the, one of the, maybe Curly pulls his gun and he fires so wildly that there's a chance, unless the other fellow can dodge out of the way, that he's going to get hit. Ah, oh, well, he just about managed to dive out of the way and you hear a voice saying, what the fuck, Curly, you nearly plugged me there. And you see movement and shouting from inside, but Hamp, you've just managed to sway out the way of these bullets, but make a dodge roll to see whether you get hit by any of the shattered glass. I will. Can I just know one thing, though? Yeah. Th these fellows in the picture you, you got in the roll 20, which are the ones doing the shooting? Well, I would say the two on the left. Curly. This fellow with his, his tie tucked into his pants. I'm going to have a word with him when this is all over. That's Toots. That's Edward G. Robinson, isn't it? No, 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 the one on the left. Oh, sorry, him, sorry. Who's actually got his whole tie tucked in. That is a bad look, isn't it? I'm sure there's a functionality to it, and I want to get to the bottom of it, because maybe it has something to do with the shooting or something, although it hadn't done him favours so far. No, it's done no favours. But please make me a dodge roll to see whether you avoid the shattering glass. My apologies, Andy. Sorry, I got distracted there. It's all right, it's a good picture. It's actually not as good a film as one would hope. Oh, but it yeah. Yeah, you dodge out of the way very agilely and you keep your footing on the rain-slicked decking of the veranda and you're going to be able to respond first. Oh. Now that the glass has been shattered, you can actually see clearly in and you see a rather disturbing sight. You see Nora and Isadora, which, which I suppose in any other... If anything else was going on right now, would be a shocking thing to see, but there's far more worrying things happening right now than the fact that you've re-encountered your long-lost friend and the woman that you were searching for all those years ago in San Francisco. The fact is there, they seem to be in a really perilous situation as well because there's a bunch of thugs with their guns trained on them and others shooting at you. 
So, what do you want to do? I think I'm going to take a shot at one of these fellows, but not the one with the tie tucked in. He needs to stay alive because I got questions. Yeah, I'll take a shot at one of the ones that fired at me that is not near my friends, but also does not have his tie tucked into his pants. Priorities. All right. Well, he's got cover, so you will have a penalty dice. Yeah, so I have a penalty dice no matter what, correct? Yeah, but this is less risky because you can't... But this is the less risky of the... Does that mean I roll purple? Yes. Oh, what a shame. Well, it's only four luck. You want to spend four luck? Okay. I don't have a lot of luck, but I'll spend it. If you spend four, you are going to hit this chance. I spent it. Okay, so roll a d10. Ooh, wow. That's a lot. That's eight damage. Let's see. Bang, it says. Oh, yeah. He's not dead, but he spins away from... Maybe he just poked his head out a little bit too far, and you caught him right in the shoulder, like completely, almost at point blank. And he goes spinning round and slumps to the floor. And Toots goes... Curly! Shouts out. Curly! You fucking idiot! Don't poke your head out like that! And Rita, your turn. Was that just a response fire? Or what, did, what was that exactly? Was that my turn? That was your turn, yeah. I mean, you can also move. Yeah, I would like to get out from in front of a window. So you're just going to duck behind the mm-hmm. the wall to the side. Uh, or can I just move to the side rather than duck? So I'm... Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you just move slightly to the right so you're no longer in the line of sight yeah Rita Jesus Christ I'm gonna run around the side of the hotel and go around the back okay you could fire just wildly before you run you can do both or you could use your action to kind of sprint as fast as you can and, and... That, that's what I'm doing and I, and I don't want them to know that I'm here I don't want them to know too much about me you know foregoing the chance at firing at toots the guy with a tie, so I think Ham would be happy about that. I he... know that Ham will want to have a chat with him later, so I'm, I'm not going to make a mess of him. <laughs> Don't make a mess of his tie. So you sprint through the rain, but I would like you to make a dexterity roll. 56. I'll spend six luck to pass it. Okay, so you managed to avoid slipping over in the in the slick mud or getting tangled up in foliage, and you, you, you're going to make it round to the back of the hotel relatively quickly. Emery, is there anything you want to do? I uh, yes. Have I seen Nora through the window? Yeah, I think given that the glass got blown out and you were standing a little bit further back and not under fire, you saw everything inside, yes. Okay, well, we're all roughly in the same place now. So this seems like the perfect time to start trying to undo the spell. Ah, <sighs> right. Well, let's say that that's going to take a round so you start your incantation perfect, wonderful perhaps to the surprise of uh, Hamp who's in the middle of a gunfight and you're just reciting poetry now, inside the hotel Rocco seeing that Curly has gone down he says, Angel Smithy, you go and take care of those guys outside, and Smithy goes but they're firing at us boss and Johnny says, what do I fucking pay you for I pay you to get fired at, you fucking idiot. And they go, oh, okay. And so they both get up and they start just firing out, just peppering the opening as they step forward. I don't think they're actually necessarily trying to hit you because they can't see you, but they're really just trying to lay down, I guess, suppressing fire, if you like. Have they got Tommy guns or something like that? That would be really mean of me to do that to you. Yes, it would. 
but it would be very appropriate. What are they peppering the door with? I mean... They've got guns. Okay, right. I mean, they're just firing multiple rounds. Okay. Let's say maybe three each as they step forwards, because you you can fire three times. So six rounds get expended as they fire through the door and walk forwards. And Toots goes, watch where you're firing, boys. I ain't too keen on your aim these days. And at this point, Nora, Mm -hmm. you can see that Johnny is half concentrating on you, half concentrating on what's going on behind him. And he's got his gun, and it is pointed at you. But he seems quite, for once... He's distracted. For the first time, yeah, he seems half distracted. Okay. Can I go for his gun? <laughs> oh! Yes, you absolutely can try that. This is going to be pretty risky manoeuvre, but yeah, tell me what you want to do. Okay, so I'm sitting in the chair. Am I like next to him at the table or across from him? You're maybe about four feet away, let's say. So it's a stretch, but you could reach him. Okay. Moxie, 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 Moxie. That's right. I'm going to uh, do the thing where you stand up, push your chair back, and leap. <laughs> she knows she has the weapon, but she doesn't know if she wants to let him know that yet, if she can get his first. So I'm going to make a spot hidden roll for Isadora. No. She's calm, but she's staring fixedly at Johnny because she knows that when someone's holding a gun and pointing it in your direction, you don't want to make any sudden moves. And she doesn't see you make that trigger action before you leap up. As you leap up, Isadora cries out, Nora, no! Johnny suddenly is focused on you. At that precise moment, Rita barges through the door at the back of the hotel into the main lobby bar living area and I guess we need to let the dice tell us what's going to happen now so Nora what's your dex my dex is 85 Ooh, that's good that is good question is is it going to be higher than Johnny Rocco with a gun in his hand yes I, I mean I'm going to say yes Go with yes. Well, the thing is, when you have a gun in your hand, your dex is increased by 50. So he's going to get to act first. Because unless... Well, depends on what Rita's dexterity is. My dexterity is 60. His is 55. Ah. Actually, you hear the click as he just instinctively pulls back the hammer and is about to fire at you. Nora, you've leapt up out the chair and you're kind of mid-air just diving for him but Rita you've burst through the back door and you have your gun in your hand and well you can act first if you're going to use your firearm you can act first if you're not you're not going to have to wait and see how this plays out also I'm going to use my firearm okay and you see your your mentor in extreme peril and you've got one shot you've got one chance to make this shot because if you fail this is a point-blank shot she's going to take to the chest as she's diving forwards. Do not fumble this roll. I shout out, where's the malting falcon? And I've rolled a 30, and my, I've got 50. You need this to be a high roll. It's got to be above 5, otherwise Johnny is going to get his shot, for sure. 7. Oh, definitely enough to be a major wound. He's got 60 con. If I get above 60, he's unconscious get below 60 he's about to shoot a point blank range at Nora 
<laughs> he takes seven damage, but he he's not taken down. Do you know where I fucking shot him? In the fucking arm. In the arm. He hasn't got a fucking hand anymore. It's the wrong arm. Why, why would I shoot him in the wrong fucking arm? I mean, I know you have made a habit of shooting people's hands off. And I was at fucking point-blank range. What the fuck? If he'd have failed his con roll, I would have allowed you to shoot his hand off. But, but he didn't, so it's not a major wound. Nora, point-blank. That's a bonus dice. And here we go. So, okay, that's a 48. He gets a bonus dice. Oh. oh. Well, the good thing is that is not an extreme. That is not an impale. And it's a D10 plus two. He's using a 45. Oh, yeah. They don't mess around. That's okay. But, I mean, it's not okay because obviously that's eight damage. But I think you can take that, yeah, Nora? Easily. You can. Now, make a con roll because you're possibly about to take a major wound. In fact, I think it's a major wound regardless, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's just a question of whether you lose consciousness or... She's unconscious. ...get taken out of action. Okay, so... Make a constitution roll. You can spend luck on this. Can roll. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to stay conscious? Or are you willing to put down, so to speak? I want to stay conscious. <laughs> yeah, because you haven't taken your action yet. Right. So if you spend eight luck, you'll stay conscious. But you're winged by this bullet. It's not going to be fatal... But you've taken a horrific injury of some kind that will need hospital treatment. So what does it do to you, this bullet? Where does it hit? I will say it hits the shoulder. Okay. Because that's a pretty terrible place to have a wound, so... Yeah, you feel this searing, white-hot pain, and you know that your shoulder bone is, is shattered. But you can still push through the pain, and your momentum isn't stopped at all by the bullet. You're still flying towards Johnny. Okay, he just shot at me. Can... You want to try and grab the I gun? I do. Make a fighting brawl roll. Oh boy, I'm really bad at that too. Oh wow. Do you want to spend four luck to make that a hard success? Yes. So this is actually a maneuver. So to grab the gun off him, that's a maneuver. As you grab it, he's going to try and just smack you around the jaw with the pistol in his hand. He's a real mean bastard. He's just shot you in the shoulder and now he's trying to pistol whip you. He fails. He fails. I mean, he almost manages to whip you across the jaw. But as he does so, you you wrench the gun out of his hand. And he goes toppling back in his chair. And he's sort of off balance. And he looks up at you and he, and he says, We could have been special together, you and me, Nora. Why are you doing this to me? We had something there, didn't we? Oh, shoot him in the face. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I will allow you an action now because he took his action in cheap gangster gloating cheap gangster talk so yeah you can make a, a firearms roll handgun roll no I think it was all in your head sir oh just like this bullet and I think that is right between the eyes that is right between the eyes and at that moment Emery's spell goes off <laughs> roll a d6 and hope you don't get a 6 well that's alright it's only 2 it's only 2 he's fine so can you just narrate out then what happens as the fabric of this kind of story starts disintegrating and remitting? Well, I think, yes, I, the hotel and the surrounding grounds begin to come apart. And it's a strange sort of flattening effect. It's like the, the different timbers and the building and all the bits that make it up get pulled apart and rearranged. And 
as everything swirls around, we find ourselves back in the room above the bookshop. They're surrounded by the pages of the manuscript, still papered all over the walls. But now the pages have illustrations in them, showing little bits of uh, the hotel. And every now and then you can just see one of the gangsters looking out a window, screaming silently. Brilliant. And then calm descends, and, and Nora, you're back. Oh. You're back, Nora. Well, I mean, you've never been here before, but you know somehow that the fact that there's colour again in the world is the sign that tells you that you are back. But the only thing that gets you suddenly concerned and anxious again is that there's no sign of Isadora. But you're there with Emery and Rita and Hamp in this musty old bookshop. Well, in, in a room above the musty old bookshop. In a room above the musty old bookshop. Is Nora still wounded? No, she's not. I grab my shoulder like I am to check. I mean, it still it still aches. That was quite the adventure. It is marvellous to have you back, Miss Charles. But let's not make a habit of this, shall we? Nora, look, I set it all up for you. Look at this. This is our little office here. This is the Foxtrot Research Office here. There's your desk. This is that's for you. There, just how you like it, I imagine. And uh, we got all the things you need, uh, and we can go investigating. See? Oh, Rita. And I, I'm a little bit shell shocked, but I take a look and I say, "That's brilliant, Rita. Your all of your note taking was it was so helpful. This is spectacular." I'm ready to take more notes. Old Hamp screws up his face a little bit, steps over to the window, looks out at the street below, and puts his thumbs in his belt loops. Welcome back, Nora. But it's obvious something's really troubling him. Okay. I look at Dr. Watson and I'll say, Thank you, Dr. Watson. And I certainly hope I don't have that sort of adventure again. Yes, I do rather hope that your, your little misadventures among the written word haven't put you off books. <laughs> I'll smile at him and I'll say, I don't think there's much that could put me off books. Oh, that that's good. Well, if at any point you find that the detection business is running slowly, uh, we could always use some help downstairs. That's very kind of you. But where is Isadora? I wonder, do you think that there's any chance that she should have come back with us, but maybe she too was... A work of fiction? Uh, I, I know she was once a real person, but maybe the version that, that you knew wasn't the real Isadora. I give Dr. Emery kind of a broken smile and I say, I think you're right about that. Still, <laughs> I will miss her, even if she was fictional. But she picks herself up because she's Nora Charles. She looks over at Rita and she says, but <laughs> look at what I have come back to. This is more than I could have expected, Rita. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And over the next few days and weeks, Nora, you, you start feeling more like yourself again. You spend a bit of time with Mr. Hammett, who obviously had a great deal to do with your rescue and return. But after some time, he asks you if you'd consider moving back to San Francisco and working with him in the agency that he's going to set up. And maybe you have several conversations, and the strange thing is that he doesn't remember Isadora at all. It's like, for him, she never existed. That part of the story, that, those events, 
never occurred, and that somehow you and Isadora had almost become one person in, in his memory. Well, I appreciate the offer to go back to San Francisco, but I think I'm in a good situation here with friends, eccentric though they might be. They're good friends, and I think I'll stay in London. He promises to keep in touch and wishes you all the best. And then as he's leaving, he says to you, but one thing I gotta tell you, Nora, you won't find a decent hamburger anywhere in this godforsaken city I have been trying for the last four weeks. They have this thing called uh, a beef patty. Uh, they just serve it on its own. No ketchup, no bun, no fucking pickles. What kind of a country is this? And then he waves at you, gets into a hackney carriage, and heads off to the train station to catch a train to Southampton where he will then get the steamer back to the States. He's got a hell of a journey ahead of him. He's got to get a boat to New York, then get a train all the way across the country to San Francisco. So, you're back. I think that uh, we got to familiarise Nora with the surroundings. So we got to go for uh, pies downstairs and fill her in on all of the potential jobs that I got. But also then, of course, the gambling. We got all the gambling to do. And down Friday nights, it's the booze up in the uh, in the bookshop. Yes, it is. I actually took the liberty of suggesting your, your uh, local establishments, but please add to these or amend them. There's Bernie's Bagels on the Bulls Pond Road. And if you look this up, this isn't in Stoke Newington, but I put it there. The George and Vulture oh, Pub. Oh, nice. <laughs> Amazing name for a pub. The George and Vulture on Stoke Newington High Street. Then very close by on Dalston Lane is the Hindustani Coffee House, which is one of the first Indian restaurants in London. Chung Koon's Chinese Restaurant on Tottenham Road. And Hardbottom's General Goods on Bolin Road. So those are all within walking distance of Watson's and Antiquities. What's the most agreeable public house? Well, the Georgian Vulture. Are you saying the George and Vulture or the Georgian Vulture? No, the George and Vulture. That is a real pub in London. Yes, good name. That's a good name. Yeah, a Georgian Vulture. I mean, yeah. There is some etymology to it. Oh, it's the tallest pub in London <laughs> as well. Amazing. It's very tall. It's apparently, well, I mean, the, the actual one is apparently it's, there's been an inn on that site since 1142. Oh, that's fantastic. It was said to be a meeting place of the notorious Hellfire Club. Oh, it's mentioned at least 20 times in the Pickwick Papers, who frequently drank there himself. It doesn't say why it's called the Georgian Vulture, though. Amazing. Wow, excellent. The Georgian Vulture. I think this is a more sort of run-down version of that to me. Yeah, so that's your local boozer. Do you want to have a, a little uh, scene in the pub first night back just to welcome Nora? Yes, we can. I, I, I suppose everybody doesn't need his arm twisted to go to the pub. I mean, of course, you've got an almost endless supply of booze in the cellar, but it's always nice to have someone else serve you your drink than having to pour it yourself, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, and there's atmosphere. It's an important thing for integrating yourself into the community. And that's a very good point, because you have, over the few months that you've been in operation, you have become friends with the barman there at the Georgian Vulture. Elton Spreadbury. He is a typical East End publican. Tall, with a beer gut, rolled up sleeves, short-cropped dark hair, 
a big tomato-shaped red nose in the middle, smack bang in the middle of his face, spreading out. Where else would it be? Perhaps a, a scar running down from his eye to the side of his mouth. Probably looks like he's seen a bit of trouble in his time and he knows how to deal with troublemakers. I'm going to say that one of the reasons we've become friends is that he has a taste for uh, long out of penny dreadfuls. And every time one comes through the shop, we bring it over to him. So uh, you all head down to the pub and it is a raucous, typical Thursday night in the Georgian vulture. The smell of stale beer-soaked carpets just is that it's almost like a friendly hug as you come in. There's a fug of cigar and cigarette smoke. There's someone playing a small piano in the corner. People are doing a good old sing-along. There's a couple of, of the local working girls chatting up some perhaps slightly posher visitors who might have wandered down here from the city to see, you know, the other side of life, get a bit of rough. And Elton, Spreadburn, when he sees you come in, shouts over, Emery! We are mucker! Where the hell have you been? Where the hell have you been? I ain't seen you three days gone. Oh, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, Elton. But yes, yes, uh, the usual, please. And uh, actually, yeah, let, let me just check my pockets here. But I do think I have a copy of the Chronicles of Springhill Jack. Would that interest you? Oh, you know me. Anything with a bit of knifing, a bit of murder. Oh, I love it. I love it. This not only has murder, but uh, he breathes fire. Oh, I say, what is he, some kind of wizard? Oh, that would be telling. Right, oh, I can't wait. Well, look, I ain't got time to read it now, but pop it off on a counter and come and come and pull yourself up to the bar. Oh, I've got some tales to tell you. You would not believe what happened here on Monday. Oh, you should have been here, uh, Emery. You should have been here. Sorry, Professor. Professor Watson, I know, I know, I'm a bit, a bit familiar. Emery is fine. <laughs> I'm not precious about such things. And he leans and he says... Who's the bird? He says, pointing to Nora. Ah, that's Miss Charles, our friend from the United States, sir. Uh, she's just arrived here. Oh, oh yank, eh? Well, well, aren't you wonder what we're like in here? I don't think that there are sufficient warnings in the world. And he says, uh, well, I suppose if, if your odd friend Ham can deal with it, I'm, I'm sure this lady can. Now, Rita, my Irish rose, come here. Do you want your usual? Triple Tullamore Dew. Thanks very much. Now, Rita. How much they got going on the snooker this evening? What, you mean upstairs? Yeah. Oh, there's uh, not much. A few crowns, maybe. I'll come back at the weekend. Yeah, well, you know, it's not... This is more your regular crowd. You want some of the high rollers coming in. Now, listen, Emery, you've been travelling, yeah? Because fella came in two days ago. He said he'd been into the shop... Well, he said he tried to get into the shop, but it was all locked up and uh, he was looking for you. Ah, yes, we had to go away briefly on business, but that's all resolved now. Right. Business, eh? What, some saucy stuff, yeah, was it? It was rather hair-curling stuff, yes. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Anyway, this uh, this fella, he left his card here. He said he he specifically wanted to speak to you. And to your colleagues. Let me see. I do hope he's not a creditor. Have a look. I've got it somewhere here behind the bar. He looked like he had a bit of uh, scratch about him. Well-dressed fella. You don't really know any well-dressed fellas, do you? No. 
well, maybe one or two from my old days in academia, but uh, even then, they I suppose that's more worn tweed than you know, Beau Brummel. Right, right. Hang on, I think I kept it here, just behind the till. And he reaches behind the till and pulls out a card. And he looks at it, he sort of squints, holds it back, says, yeah, this is the one. Dives. Mr. Dives. You know Mr. Dives? I don't believe so. No, catalogue agent. Anyway, here, take the card. He hands you this rather elegantly typeset card, and it says, Mr. Johnston Dives, catalogue agent, and there's no address on it. It's just that. Wow. Very intriguing. I, I suppose if he wants to do business with us, he, he'll return at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, mate. Me nogging, I don't know. Since I got that blow to the back of the head by those three ladies down in uh, Cheapside, I just ain't been the same. Anyway. Which time was that? That's happened more than once. Or was it one lady three times? I can never remember. Was it three ladies once or one lady three times? It was certainly a multiple of three. That was it, that was it. My memory ain't what it used to be. No, he actually said, when you had, on your return, he used a very proper turn of speech he had. He said, if you would go care to join him at his private club for a business matter, Pimanda, the Pimanda Club. And you all know the Pimanda Club. Well, at least Emery and Rita, well, and Hamp, because Hamp has the knowledge. (laughs) Of course. There's the knowledge. Yeah, it's a well-known, it's an exclusive West End establishment with a reputation for members with somewhat outre interests, such as astrology, spiritualism, and yeah, you got it, theosophy. Of course. Elton says, yeah, he seemed a little bit anxious that he, it was a matter of somewhat timeliness required, and he said, as soon as I was to see you, I was to encourage you to pay a visit immediately. Well, I've done my bit. Another drink? Yes, why not? And so your drinks are all lined up and you spend the night enjoying the activities. Maybe you join in the Cockney knees up (laughs) by the end of the night. I think Emery's knees are a bit too arthritic for that these days. Yes, indeed. I don't understand a word you just said, son. And in fact... I'll let all three of you, and, and in fact, you could even use your bookshop skill, maybe go back a little bit drunk that night, and you can either roll your own occult skill, or one of you could spend a bit of time going through the occult section of the bookshop. So, and I believe the bookshop has a reasonable occult skill. Occult. Uh, oh no, it's not great. 27. Because it's not, I think we determined, didn't we, that it's not really an occult bookshop per se, is it? Emery's got a little, but not very much at all. No. Okay, well, perhaps you will now be heading towards the Pimanda Club without any additional knowledge, but it's still an intriguing offer, I suppose. And given that how well-dressed he is and how exclusive the Pimanda Club is, there's probably some money in it. Then I think we'd better put our best clothes on when we go down there. Indeed, indeed. All right, well, let's end it there. So we have, <laughs> we had a gunfight in a tropical storm and then a cockney knees up. Well, I mean, that's the ultimate combination. So it's all good. Right, 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 right
life I wanted to be a barra boy. A barra boy was all I wanted to be. When I wills me barra, it fills me up with pride. I'm a coster, a coster, from over the upper side. I would turn me back on all of our society. Show me where the big bananas grow. I sell them a dozen a shilling, that's how I makes me living. I should have been a barra boy years ago. Get off me barra, I should have been a barra boy years ago. It's good to have you back, Rita, but it's obvious something's really troubling him. I just have a quick editor's note. Uh, I think I said, welcome back, Rita, earlier. It should have been welcome back, Nora. So, uh, Ham's back was to the camera anyway, so we can just ADR that in. Let me do three quick takes for you. Welcome back, Nora. And then, you're a sight for sore eyes, Nora. And, uh, Nora, welcome to England. Just use whichever one you want. Brilliant. I love that he's got an editor's head on. Pitter patter patter, pitter patter patter, here comes the rain. Let it pitter patter, let it pitter patter, don't mind the rain. He'll mend your Hackney carriage, did they exist still in the 1920s? I don't know. I mean, you are in Hackney, so. So I think by definition, any carriage is a Hackney carriage, yes. Fine. The first Hackney carriage licenses date back to 1662, and the first motorised Hackney carriages date back to 1897. <laughs> so, yes, I think we're fine. But he'd rather see.